Welcome to the Living in Lithuania podcast. Join me, Austin, in conversation with internationals who have found themselves living here in Lithuania. To keep the conversation going, let's connect on the Living in Lithuania Facebook or Instagram pages, where you can also find out about the latest episodes and more. Austin, welcome to the podcast. Really happy to have you here. Uh, maybe to start, you could shortly introduce yourself and let us know where you're from and um, your reason for coming to Lithuania in the first place. Okay. Yeah. Well, the first thing I wanted to add, first, thank you for having me here. And I want to add that we have pretty much the same name, mm-hmm. which is kind of kind of fun. Um, I'm Austin from Houston, Texas. Um, and yeah, I applied to a program, a, uh, a government scholarship called Fulbright, mm-hmm. and I got that scholarship. It's um, one part of it is English teaching assistantship, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I got. And uh, I applied to Lithuania, and yeah, I ended up getting placed in Tautaga, which is on the western side of the country. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've been here for five months so far. Oh. Okay, well, nice. <laughs> Wonderful. Happy to have you here. Yeah, we'll get into the Fulbright program and everything uh, a bit uh, further along. But first of all, I want you to take us through your story, how uh, how your journey began coming to Lithuania because uh, and your relationship with Lithuania, because you have some roots here, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so maybe you can tell me uh, about that and... Uh, yeah, just your whole international experience and in coming here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I I grew up in, I was, was not born in Texas. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. And then when I was really little, my family moved to Yuma, Arizona, which is a pretty small town on the border with California and Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, also, while I was there, I was homeschooled. So I, you know, had kind of a lot of extra time to kind of explore my curiosities. And I was always interested in history and geography. Okay. And my grandparents, when they come to visit, um, you know, they, they were, they were really interesting people. They had really cool stories. And my grandma always told me the story of her mom, who was from Lithuania, mm. uh, from a village called Czechishka, something like that. Okay. And near Konas. And, um, she, she was like a character that her mother, she had died before I was born. She's a, and also again, She's a Litvak, Lithuanian Jewish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so my awareness of Lithuania came from an early age, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think uh, earlier than most. And, yeah, so when, when I was studying at uh, the University of Houston in, in Houston, I was studying uh, linguistics. Mm-hmm. And it, it just randomly, I, um, I was – there's a little bit of backstory to that where – I was studying economics. I realized it wasn't the path for me. Mm-hmm. I had an elective course to choose from. Basically, you can choose whatever course you want. And I, I chose grammar and usage because I thought, oh, I could improve my grammar. Yeah. Why not? You know? <laughs> but it turned out it wasn't like a grammar, like prescriptive. Okay, here's where you put the punctuation. And, you know, this is when uh, you, you use this tense and everything. It wasn't that. It was mm-hmm. actually just a linguistics class where they were just talking about language in general. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with it. So I immediately switched to that, and I had a professor who, she specialized in second language studies, and uh, in her class, she suggested, like, hey, would you like to work for the second language department in at, at the school? I'm like, yo, I'd love that, because mm-hmm. I've always been kind of curious, and I asked a bunch of questions, so I, I think she saw that I was interested in yeah. that. 
And then there, one day there was a guy who came in, and he was uh, Dr. Ben Rader, and he gave a presentation about the Fulbright program. He was in the scholarship and major awards department at that university. Mm-hmm. And he talked about Fulbright, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Didn't think anything of it. And my professor, again, she said, Austin, you should apply to that. Uh-huh. And I thought, no way. I would never get that. <laughs> like, I had good grades, but not great grades. Uh-huh. Um, my When I think of programs like Fulbright, it's a difficult scholarship to get. And I think mm-hmm. of people who kind of went to you know, more prestigious, like, private schools, East Coast, mm-hmm. kind of silver spoon in their mouth sort of situation. Yeah. And me, I thought, nah, not <laughs> me. But I, I, for whatever reason, I did it anyway. I applied mm-hmm. to it and forgot about it. Yeah. And then when I found out that I got it, I was just, whoa, okay, <laughs> all right, here we go. Nice. But I, I really didn't know anything about Lithuania mm-hmm. except that I had a grandma from there. And that was why, that was part of the reason why I applied to Lithuania because I didn't have um, too much uh, too many other places I, I could make a reasonable pitch for. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask about my international experience, you want me to... Yeah, maybe you can tell me a bit more about uh, just your interest in like being more international uh, in general because you, you, you started to travel within the U.S., right, and then outside of the U.S. Maybe you could tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, so again, when I was living in... In Yuma, growing up there as a kid, I had a lot of, a lot of, sort of time to pursue my creative desires or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because I, when in the homeschooling situation that I had, I could finish what I needed to do in less time, I think, than okay. a traditional student. And I, I really was interested in history and geography, so I was just super obsessed, super super obsessed, and. I was always interested in the wider world in that way. And I think also there's something about being in a small town in the middle of the desert that mm-hmm. sort of makes you wonder what else is out there, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, you know, I watch a lot of like National Geographic documentaries and we had a subscription to that magazine mm-hmm. too. And I, I was always just very, very curious about mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So well, when we moved to Houston, I was I went to a community college. Um, you have experience in the U.S., so you probably know what it is. Mm-hmm. But for your listeners who don't, it's in the U.S. The first two years of your university studies aren't very specialized. Mm-hmm. The most students have to take some core classes they call them, basically like baseline classes that everyone has to take. Yeah, and it's pretty much two years of your four-year degree. Mm-hmm. And there's a way for you to do it for cheaper and, mm-hmm. and uh, also the smaller class sizes and whatever and more flexible flexible scheduling and that's like a community college okay. so after you finish two years you get something called an associate's degree and you can transfer those credits over to a four-year mm. university so I did that but once I finished that two-year degree I didn't really know what I wanted to do mm-hmm. like I I was yeah I was 20 21 21 yeah and I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I I just took a randomly applied to a job in a, in a national park, Mount Rainier National Park in Washington State, and I got it. And I was debating, should I really do this? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I went and I did it, and immediately I met people who had come to America on the J1 visa program, a work and travel visa, where uh, they, they get to work for several months and mm-hmm. travel for several months. And there are a lot of people from Turkey, from Jamaica, the Philippines, Romania. 
And I thought it was so interesting, this mix. I mean, we're on this property with 100 people up in the mountains, mm-hmm. and 100 strangers who have to get to know each other yeah. from all over the world. I thought that sociological situation was mm-hmm. so fascinating. And then after that, I, I, was, I was like, I want to keep doing this. So I, mm-hmm. I took a job in Death Valley National Park. Wow. Then I met a, a guy, um, one of my very good friends now, Travis, who basically told taught me about hitchhiking because I love mm-hmm. to hike. But mm-hmm. in Death Valley, it's such a big national park, and the trails are so far, far okay. away from each other. And I didn't have a car at the time. So I, you know, I timidly started hitchhiking, and then I realized like how much fun it was, mm-hmm. and how many interesting people from all over the world I met. So I just by going to these national parks, I really got to meet a lot of international students and people from all over the world, and also working usually at the front desk at a hotel. And you know, being a mm-hmm. curious person, I asked a lot of questions. One of my roommates in Grand Teton National Park, which is right near Yellowstone in mm-hmm. Wyoming. George, he's from Yash, Romania, which is a, a city on the eastern side of Romania mm-hmm. on the border with Moldova. I I came to Europe for the first time to visit him, and then I, uh, he had to go back to work, so I found a cheap flight. This is when I found out about these budget airlines yeah. that are so lovely to Greece, and I did that. So that was my first trip you know, to Europe, mm-hmm. but I, I had traveled in uh, the U.S. and Canada at that time. And then I came back, started studying linguistics, decided, took a minor focus in Spanish, so I spent time in Mexico a lot. Okay, and, yeah. nice. Wow. So, yeah, so many, so many great experiences. And, wow, I love that you worked in national parks. I, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, <laughs> like, after this interview, probably about that, because uh, I love to go hiking in the mountains and, and, and generally explore nature. And, yeah, I think... In the future, I really hope to have like a really good like road trip in the U.S. and visit uh, more national parks. Oh, it's a must do. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's that's kind of one of the things <laughs> that's uh, that is really always in the back of my mind because I lived I lived in the U.S. for three years, um, just while in, in, in school, like from twelve to fifteen. So I have a bit of experience and like travel a little bit then, but of course it's not so much. Um, so yeah, I would would love love to uh to, to go back and uh, explore that and uh, i love how you mentioned that our names are similar yes because when i was living in the u.s people would always ask me like is your name austin <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> no it's not <laughs> and uh that, but that's that that helped them a little bit like remember my name i think as well so it's funny because um when i was getting the the third shot the for, um, pfizer vaccine my girlfriend was helping me and she was um talking to the, you know, Corona stop folks. And I, I could tell that she was saying Austin spelled like Oste. With an M. <laughs> with an M. I, yeah, I could tell. I could, I heard that. I started laughing. Oh, wow. Like, so you, you've just had the reverse experience of me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so was yeah. Living there. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So, so yeah. So then you got into uh, traveling and, and Mexico and, and, and yeah. So how, how did everything work uh, once you got the once you got the the scholarship to, to come here? Oh wow! So it was, I mean, a complete shock to me that I got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I I pretty much decided that what I would do is I would 
I've I've always I've been a bit of a late bloomer in in sort of deciding on a career for myself, mm-hmm. um, and I figured that what I would do after graduating is I would teach ESL or EFL. English is a second language. English is a foreign language, whether mm-hmm. within the U.S. or overseas, and do that for a couple of years. And save up some money and apply for some universities and see what kind of scholarships I can get uh, for graduate school and then kind of pursue linguistics further probably. But then when I get, got this scholarship, it was, it was sort of, okay, well, that is going to put those plans on hold for a year, but I'm absolutely willing to do that for this. It was mm-hmm. this long shot that I had in my head. And then it got to it got postponed because of the the coronavirus, and then it got just deferred for a year. So mm-hmm. the way that it works is uh, there's a selection process, and 22 people applied the year that I uh, the year that I applied for the mm-hmm. um, 2020 to 2021 cycle. Four people got it. So, and then this year there were only two awards, but since they Deferred it for a year. There's actually six of us here doing it. Oh, that's Um, maybe even better that you have more people to like meet and and share your experience with. Yeah, and I yeah. So that was that that was leading up to it. So I had a year Mm -hmm. and to kind of just chill, I guess. Mm -hmm. To so what I did was I took some service industry jobs that were what I was most familiar with when I was studying, I worked, you know, waiting tables, bartending, and in the national parks, I worked at, you know, hotels. I work in a pretty big variety of different service industry jobs. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Okay. Okay, great. So, uh, so then you, that, that time passed and you got a chance uh, to come here. Maybe you can tell me a bit more about the Fulbright program then, how, how it works and what, you had to say that you're we're gonna do <laughs> during sure 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 so the thing about the, the Fulbright program started right after World War II in 1946 so the year after World War II was over and there's a senator William J Fulbright from Arkansas and he he had this um, idea of using American just citizens it's citizen ambassadors what what they call it mm-hmm. for to kind of promote intercultural competence and then in the wake of like the shifting map of the world after World War II and so the you know sort of reworking of alliances and there there was a need for sort of international relations more than ever to mm-hmm. prevent something like this from happening again that's when the, where the United Nations came about and he proposed to take basically surplus war equipment sell it and take that money and use it for this program okay and it became um, and it became uh, a, a, the largest cult, uh, cultural exchange program ever. And it's right now over 160 countries participate in it. And there are several parts of it. I actually don't even know all of them. But for Americans, there's the study research part of it mm-hmm. where you pitch an idea for research mm-hmm. that you want to do. And you write an essay. You're, you write an essay about it. You coordinate with somebody, for example, in Lithuania with whom you want to work mm-hmm. and do your research. And there's that. Then there's the English teaching assistant part, which is what me and the other five are doing, where you write two essays, a statement of grant purpose, mm-hmm. 
which is uh, what, what you intend to do when, when you're here, and then also a personal statement mm-hmm. and um, about yourself and your history, why you're qualified, sort of uh, what, what your interest is in this specific country, because these 160 countries, I mean, it's almost every country on earth. So mm-hmm. you have to have a pretty good reason to come to one. So at first mm-hmm. I said um, that my first idea was to go to Romania because I had been there. And mm-hmm. so I talked to, I talked to Ben about it, the you know scholarship advisor. And I told him I wanted to go to Romania. And he said, so you have a friend there and you went there and you liked it. Not good mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. <laughs> come back. And then I then I started thinking. I'm like, well, I have some family history in Lithuania. Mm-hmm. And he said you should look into that. Mm-hmm. He said look into like the school system, the education pro uh, system. How you know what's the what, what is the culture like? So I started d- digging into contemporary Lithuania. And mm-hmm. one thing that I found really interesting, I saw an article that I believe Lithuania and Latvia are the only two countries in Europe where more than half of the population speak three languages instead of well, you know, most countries in Europe are pretty, there's mm-hmm. heavy emphasis on bilingualism, but yeah. trilingualism is really, really uh, interesting. And I, again, I minored in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So my second choice would have been Paraguay because of its linguistic situation. More than uh-huh. half the population speak an indigenous language, which is yeah. unique. So I'm really interested in multilingualism mm-hmm. and unique linguistic situations. So that was my, that was one angle. Also, I think it's really interesting the rapid transition from um, a compulsory Russian education mm-hmm. from the Soviet times to a compulsory English education yeah. that had basically started from scratch 31 years ago. So mm-hmm. I think that was really interesting to me. And then also the family connection, I think was, mm-hmm. was also something interesting. And the first person in my family to come back. So yeah, wow. yeah. solid case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm not surprised that you got it, <laughs> but of course I imagine in the beginning it's, it's, it's very difficult to figure out how to present yourself in a way to, to get a scholarship like this. Oh, sure. I had to rewrite the essays each about 30 times. Oh, and Ben, wow. he, he would, you know, basically take his the hypothetical red pen and be like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> he, I mean, I, I give him all the credit for the fact that I got this in a lot of ways. Because to, to be able to convey yourself in one page, mm-hmm. you know, 12-point type about why you're worth spending money on and sent to a small town in Lithuania mm-hmm. is... Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of a it's a difficult task, mm. and just writing that essay, he he told me, you know, to be able to explain yourself briefly like that is a useful skill, mm-hmm. whether you get the Fulbright or not. And I I really really agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Of course, any like job you want to get and <laughs> writing a personal statement, that's it's uh, it's a great skill. So great practice. Thirty one <laughs> times. <laughs> Yeah, uh, is, is not not bad. Not terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good to good to put the the, the work in. Um, and I think you wanted to mention something about this uh, alumni of the program. Oh yeah, so I the the, um, the alumni of the program. Well, it's interesting because, uh, and I guess I should add this that also the Fulbright program brings people from different uh, from these same countries. To study in the U.S., mm-hmm. there there isn't the language component mm-hmm. where that you know someone from Mongolia isn't going to come and teach Mongolian, for example. But there mm-hmm. was a a student from uh, someone doing research. She's from Mongolia and mm-hmm. the university that I would uh, okay. study at. Uh, actually, there are some Lithuanians studying in the U.S. Mm-hmm. 
uh, through the Fulbright program right now. Yeah, actually, one of my friends, her husband, I think he got got in as well, and they're moving in in spring for six months or a year. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, so it's, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, and through the Fulbright program. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's really really a great program. It's amazing. Um, but there are some some of the alumni here, for example, at the end of the uh, at the end of their term, they gave their presentations about their findings. One was working on countering disinformation mm-hmm. in Lithuania, how Lithuania deals with disinformation coming from Russia mostly. Mm-hmm. Another one, Jonas, he was giving, he's a Lithuanian-American, mm-hmm. and he came to document contemporary Jewish life in Lithuania. It ended up becoming mm-hmm. contemporary Jewish life in Vilnius because of the pandemic and people couldn't leave Mm -hmm. but he's a very interesting perspective being a you know christian and he he said that it was interesting growing up and we went to a lithuanian school in los angeles and they gave when when they were giving lessons he said that in the textbooks there was a big section about the partisans but you know just a page about the jews and he was one he felt that there was a missing piece in his understanding and he Mm -hmm. had a very sensitive unique perspective so there are also some really, some really interesting projects, too. Uh, maybe, I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware of him, the photographer Andrew McSheese. He has an uh, exhibit in the Mole Museum. Oh, okay. And he also Lithuanian-American. He came here in the early 2000s on a Fulbright, and he documented these village discos that took place. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I've seen his work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. He, he's, you know, a, an alumni, an interesting alumni as well. Oh. And he actually now lives here in in Lithuania. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. <laughs> Great, bringing talent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a Lithuania as well. Yeah, I think it's uh it's it's a great program and like yeah, for the for the Jewish history, there's so much Jewish culture and history in Lithuania and I feel like it's so undiscovered still and so grateful to have people who are wanting to come and and uncover that because yeah, I mean, so much of it got destroyed of course during World War II and um maybe I don't know how much you know, but about like your great grandmother, did she leave because of the war? It was it was in the interwar period. So what happened was it's so her husband, or not her husband. I'm sorry, her mother, and and um, so my great grandma Sarah Dobro was her mother, my great great grandmother. Her husband left in 1913. Mm-hmm. And he came, he came to the U.S. and he wanted he needed to save up money to pay for their his family's travel mm-hmm. and, and their visas and everything. Well, while he's working, you know, the timeline of European history, World War One broke out, so they were they they couldn't leave, so they were they, they had to they were kind of stuck. And actually, uh, Dobro was pregnant with Sarah when he mm-hmm. left. And uh, they had to wait until the war was over and then a couple more years. So she didn't see her dad until she was seven years old. And they came to uh, settled in a small town in New Jersey. In Dover, she had three kids to take care of. Mm -hmm. And you had to work. So that's another part for me that's kind of nice. It's a nice thought because she came, you know, what, 102 years ago. Never met her. But the fact that she... There weren't these resources available for her to learn English. She never did. Mm-hmm. And my grandma, he was told, telling me about, you know, how she had to communicate with her in Yiddish. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, 
um, it, it's, it's interesting me coming back here, you know, where, where she is from being in some way associated with the edu- English education mm-hmm. here. It's kind of a way I can connect with her, I feel like, mm-hmm. in a way. But, yeah, it, it, it was – they didn't come under – you know, they came as refugees. Mm-hmm. And it's, for, it's lucky they did because this – Lithuania is probably the worst place on earth to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. 20 years later. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, very, very grateful for that. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Amazing history. Yeah. And like you said, this, the uh, connection through language <laughs> is, uh, is, is very strong, strong line in, in, in your life now, I guess as well. Right. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Have you, have you, um, been to the, to the village that, or the town there? That no, I haven't. And I'm going to, so my girlfriend, she's also Litvak, right? Okay. And her family's from Vilkovishkis. Okay. So we have a sort of summer road trip plan. We'll go to our respective towns, doing a little research about them too. So we know yeah. a little bit oh, about that's that. Amazing. But yeah, I haven't yet. Um, it's interesting, though. There are a few other towns where my uncle has done an incredible amount of genealogy research. And there's a there's several towns along the Nominus River between Konas and Yorvarkas, you know, that, mm-hmm. that drive. And several of those towns, Vilkia is one of them. There's some, they're really picturesque up on mm-hmm. a bluff overlooking the Nominus River. Um, other more distant relatives of mine lived in those towns. Mm. So it was in, I've driven that that route before okay. a few times is the red castle world on pillis or whatever mm-hmm. over there i uh it stopped there and it was right next to one of those towns it was in the autumn it was beautiful i'm like i wonder if they they probably went there here as yeah. on field trips you know thinking thoughts like that yeah exactly i mean must be a really interesting um, feeling to to be there to be there where your, your ancestors have been and seeing the same sites and and uh yeah just to think about all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and, and also I think I'll add one thing too. So tell yeah, I think that that's one question I get a lot. Like for first of all, okay. You know, American and Lithuania, I get some kind of curiosity mm-hmm. there just a little bit. But then when I say I'm in Taldegea, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing there? Like, yeah, there's a big, it explodes. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny when I'm with the other ones because they're they say where they're where they live, mm-hmm. and it's it's also kind of an equal like what. Yeah. So I, the the idea of the Fulbright program is to I guess provide access to an American English speaker mm-hmm. in places where they might not easily have access to yeah. you know, an American English speaker. I think we're all definitely the only Americans in our respective towns. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm Tautagea, but then. Uh, one guy's a Majeke, Squadas, Visaginas, Kupishkis, and Alitus, so kind of smaller places. And, yeah, it was totally random. Yeah, I just got an an email saying the school I would be placed at in Tautagea. I was curious where that was. I looked Mm -hmm. it up, and I'm like, oh, that's not really close to any of the cities. Like, I thought (laughs) I would be in one of them. Yeah, yeah. So, so how was that? Like the your first um, coming to Tora, yeah, and the first impressions. Oh yeah. So I so I get to Lithuania. I spent a couple of days here in Vilnius. We we had our orientation in Klaipeda, oh, and, which nice. was interesting because and you lived in Klaipeda, right? Yeah, and, I lived yeah for six months there. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's pretty in the summer, especially. I, and 
was nice because I think it's of the three biggest cities in Lithuania, it's probably the least visited one. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we had our a whole week there, pretty chill week. We our orientation wasn't you know super super intense, so we had a lot of free time to get to know each other mm-hmm. and also get to explore Klaipeda in the summer. And it, it was partnered through the LCC University mm-hmm. there. And they, they're the ones who kind of organize our orientation. And then after that, we all fanned out to our respective yeah. towns. We take a bus to Tordega. And the person in charge of me was the principal of a progymnasia there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd been in contact with her before. And she she meets me at the bus station. I have a little bit of anxiety on the bus. I'm like, ooh, I'm all alone. I'm going to be here. Yeah. I'm like, And I get there. I get put into my... Uh, you know, my apartment, it's funny because it's, like, I, I think it's hilarious, like, at least for me, because it's one of those um, renovated, you know, Soviet buildings, but it definitely was decorated by a babushka. <laughs> Every single wall is a different color, the oh. huge sexia, like, in the U.S., we'd call them, like, a china closet. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, and you have to, I have to light my gas stove with a cigarette lighter. Oh, and yeah. A big propane tank under the sink, and... <laughs> It's 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 funny. I tried to hang something on the walls. I'm, I thought it, there was some something like a thick plaster, but it turns out the, the walls are just concrete. You know, it's like, it's like oh, I can't hang anything. So, it, I, but for me, it's everything's novel and fun. So I, yeah, I'm getting a kick out of it. Yeah. Uh, but it was a huge adjustment coming from Houston of, with a population of eight million. Mm-hmm. My, my students are kind of surprised to find out that my city has three times the population of Lithuania. Yeah. And then being in a town of twenty thousand, mm-hmm. it's that's been a little bit of an adjustment. But being here five months now, I feel like I've adjusted a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's quite. You're getting really the full experience. I feel like. definitely. Yeah, it's it's a totally different. The way I describe Vilnius is like the New York of Lithuania. It's uh-huh. it's very cosmopolitan. It's mm-hmm. very international. But if you go to the regions, it's a different. You're getting a different Lithuania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting since I'm. This is a government program, and the bigger Fulbright countries, like Spain, Germany, Turkey, where they get a hundred of us, they're overseen by a Fulbright committee. Here, we're since we're so small, we're overseen by uh, the embassy directly. Oh, okay. And they're really active here, and we we get invited to a lot of events. So I have, I travel around a lot, mm-hmm. and I, so it's interesting. I'm getting this kind of full, like I'm getting. Seeing every side almost of Lithuania from the oh, the that's region. amazing. That's, yeah, that's, that's really cool. So it's not just Thoraga, but you get to see like a lot of other places and, and Vilnius, I imagine. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of events um, have you been to already? Yeah, well, the first one was actually just a meeting at the ambassador's house, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And all six of us are there. We met the Roop, the band, oh, you know, which yeah. is cool. <laughs> um, the ambassador is super interesting. Uh, nice kind of kind of quirky guy like he's a real real person like it's interesting i had this idea about politicians kind of being i don't know that they're very political let's mm-hmm. say you know and, and there's a certain there's a type i mean your your mom i've seen and listened to several episodes of your podcast your, your mom is or was a, a diplomat yeah, right yeah, so you spend yeah. time around politicians so i think you, you know you get that mm. sort of you have a conversation, but you don't get too much out of it. But he's he's a genuinely you know a genuine human being and a really interesting <laughs> guy. Um, also a, su- a southerner, mm-hmm. but yeah. So we went there, and it was that that was really interesting because I I mean I 
I was in Houston. I was just some guy. I was a student. You know, I worked service industry jobs. But here, I'm like, oh, uh-huh. here, look at this. Um, and then <laughs> pretty but, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I, um, we also went to some events. We, this re- a really interesting event in uh, Cholet. There was a. Uh, an American corner in their library. Mm. And uh, it turns out the the person who designed the Lincoln penny, the one cent coin in the U.S., is uh, Victor David Brenner, who's a Litvak from Cholet. Oh. So it's kind of interesting. There was like <laughs> one of those. And then uh, and I was a coin, I was obsessed with coins when I was a kid too, so mm. I have one of those. So I was like, oh, cool. Oh, cool. Um, and also, uh, Cholet is just, a, it was kind of cool to go to Cholet. I met uh, an English teacher there and she she said to me and one of the other guys who went you know, don't let anyone take you to the hill of crosses before i do <laughs> and and uh so so we we later on went to another event also in cholet it was a an, an event honoring the righteous among the nations or the uh those who you know risked their lives to rescue jews during the holocaust mm-hmm. in cholet and that i got to meet the israeli ambassador the german ambassador um, the speaker of the Samos as well, Victoria. Mm-hmm. I'm not great with the pronunciation, but that, that, it was so interesting to to have that experience. And then um, also we got to assist in planting some Sakura cherry trees in honor of uh, Vice Chancellor Juni Sugihara, which for me was really uh, an honor to do because uh, also a cousin of mine received a, a visa from yeah Vice mm-hmm. Chancellor Sugihara. Oh, who, okay. So, so the, just being able to connect in that way um, with Lithuania in that that regard. Those are a couple of events uh, that we went to. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting this kind of like diplomatic international <laughs> experience plus also teaching experience and living abroad and connecting. I feel, yeah, amazing. An amazing year, no? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Awesome. And so what is like... Um, Teaching, teaching in, in Tora, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah, like a day in the life kind of. So that's another thing. So Fulbright, the one thing that they say is that they kept saying this in the beginning, and they they meant it, that Fulbright, they choose people based on their kind of their flexibility, mm-hmm. and really that's been stretched yeah. to the limit. So everybody's doing something different. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, – so I, for example, I'm working at three different schools. Everybody else is just working at one. Okay. I'm working at a pro gymnasia or a, a, the U.S. middle school, and then two gymnasias, which mm-hmm. is or, or high schools. Mm-hmm. And the way that my schedule is set up is, I have a uh, we have a Google Doc with a month a month on there, and then I just fill in the dates. Like, yeah, I'll be out of town for an mm-hmm. event or some reason. And then they fill in, the teachers at those schools kind of fill in my schedule. The maximum we're allowed to work at the schools is 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest is reserved for lesson planning, traveling in for events. And then also there's a, a another thing I had to write in the statement of grant purpose is my um, sort of community engagement project. And mm-hmm. what I did back in Houston was I volunteered as an ESL teacher, a community-based ESL teacher to mm-hmm. adult learners mostly from uh, Central and South America, okay. um, which is what really encouraged me to learn Spanish. But here, it's uh, I, that was my pitch, was to do an adult class. And actually, it turns out that Elmira, my, the pr- principal of 
um, of the Proganasia I work at, she does that already, so we're doing it together. Oh, so that okay. fell in nicely because uh, they said, you know, you just have to come up with an idea. What actually ends up happening may be different, but you mm-hmm. have to just come up with an idea. But mine actually ended up happening. Yeah, okay. Nice. So a day in the life, I'll, I, I worked it out to where I'm only at one school a day. It used to be kind of all over the place, okay. but now it's easier. Usually I'm with one teacher mm-hmm. um, where I'm an English teaching assistant, so... I'm not supposed to like give lessons, grade papers, things like that. It's, it's an exchange. Like I, I provide access to a native English speaker. I can kind of, you know, the curriculum is the Oxford curriculum, so it's British English. So some of the slang and some mm-hmm. of just the phrasing is different. Yeah. So I can assist with that. I'm also learning from the teachers how they teach because mm-hmm. the second language education in the U.S. is definitely lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not not up to par with the rest of the world and. Yeah, pretty much every regard. Yeah, <laughs> actually, no. I, when I was uh, when I was learning, I, I was learning French in the US, and I, my teacher was really good. Uh, I, I, in middle school, in, in eighth grade, oh wow, I took French, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was really a great experience. And actually, then I came back to Lithuania, and the teacher was not very good here. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was the third language already. So I guess you know, second language, we're more strong for English, and then. It gets uh, a little bit <laughs> weaker as you go up, but um, but still, I, I did have a good experience learning uh, learning French. Sure, it's, I think the biggest issue is the the fact that it's compulsory in most places in the U.S. is mm-hmm. it's it's not, and most people start in the ninth grade, mm-hmm. and it's only mandatory for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I tell my students that, they're like. Yeah, I would never know English. How can you learn? <laughs> yeah, where they started second grade and it goes all the way through twelfth. So that it's it's the that I think that has everything to do with it. Mm. And um, I'm in about five classes a day. Sometimes assisting in that way. Mm-hmm. Other times I'm giving presentations to the class. Basically, I take up the whole class to lead okay. a discussion. And so I have some presentations about American holidays. Like mm-hmm. recently it was Freedom Defenders Day, mm-hmm. uh, the 13th of January. The 17th was Martin Luther King Day in the U.S. So okay. I, it was also a different type of freedom celebration, mm-hmm. national holiday. So I, I did a discussion and oh. we did a discussion of them both. They taught me about Freedom Defenders Day. I taught them about Martin Luther King Day and we mm-hmm. kind of analyzed uh, uh, one of his famous writings, a letter from uh, Birmingham Jail and then oh, mm-hmm. the, the I Have a Dream speech. Mm-hmm. So so it, those kinds of things. Also, I have one about American cities, mm-hmm. um, you know, American food and, and like, so that that's that's part of it as well. On Thursdays, I have my English club with the seventh graders. Mm-hmm. So we do really fun activities too. Um, we celebrate holidays. I, I made some cranberry sauce for Thanksgiving, oh, stuff nice. like that. So yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. I mean, the kids are brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's really, they really are. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask more about the kids, like how they accepted you and how did, are they engaging? Yeah. See, that's another thing I learned is a cultural difference that in the U.S., you know, we're kind of famous for being loud and talking a lot, mm. but <laughs> especially in the South, people are really talkative. And me, I think I'm even, I'm, I'm a pretty outstanding example of that. I like mm. like to talk a lot. People are a lot more reserved here mm-hmm. in general, and there's a there's a way in which you you have to see people multiple times and speak with them multiple times on in general. Before they start to open up, yeah. they're more. I think it's more similar to people on like the East Coast in the U.S. And 
with my students, I think they kind of meet me in the middle a little mm-hmm. bit because of how I am. Uh-huh. Also, I'm pretty, I'm kind of non-threatening, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and I'm, I'm really a curious person, so I ask them a lot of questions, so they kind of have to answer me. Mm-hmm. And then well, once they sort of feel comfortable with me, I it, it gets a lot easier. Uh, the But sometimes I'll be giving a, I'll be giving a presentation. It's like complete, complete silence when mm-hmm. I start the discussion portion. Mm-hmm. So even it even varies from class to class, mm-hmm. and their teachers have a lot to do with it as well. Like one teacher, Dana Ora, she reminds me of I watched this show when I was a kid called Magic School Bus, mm-hmm. and the, the teacher was Miss Frizzle. She had like red hair up in a bun, and mm-hmm. she's like really engaged and animated. That's her. Yeah, <laughs> she's really fun, and her kid, her students are like super extroverted in class Uh so there are a lot of factors that influence that but also me working at three schools instead of just one i don't have as much time with each class Mm -hmm. and there's not as much continuity um so i'm now even though i've been here for five months some classes i'm just now seeing for the second time but but they think it's cool you know Mm -hmm. they they think it's cool to have me there it's something different it's something unique for them and even i've met some students later on you know just on the street because it's a town, it's a small town. <laughs> they're more they're more talkative one on one as well because mm-hmm. they don't want to be like embarrass themselves in front of their friends. So they're like, "Oh, yeah. my English isn't perfect. I don't uh, want to." Yeah. But they, but I mean, most of them are, you know, totally fluent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, these days, especially with like internet and you know, like TV, you can watch in, in English, so it's it becomes easier to learn learn the language and to use it because you want to be part of the world you know you don't want to just be stuck in the small town or even the country you just want to be uh, able to access all that there is definitely i've also noticed an age difference too people my age i'm 28 um people my age is kind of a little bit hit and miss mm-hmm. with how much english they speak i can't automatically assume that someone my age is i can have a full-on conversation in english with them but people 20 and younger, I absolutely can assume mm-hmm. that, um, which I, I find kind of interesting. I haven't really found an answer to that, mm-hmm. why that is. Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe, it must, it must have something to do with the internet. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. Because you're just from an early age watching like YouTube videos. And, right. And, and you want to, you want to understand and you do when you're, when you're little, you learn so much faster, all the languages and. And, uh, yeah, I, I would assume that's, but of course, I don't know, <laughs> 100%. I just remember when I was little, like, the people who would, uh, my friends who would speak English the best were people who were watching Cart- Cartoon Network. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard, too. Um, I have a friend of mine, she uh, she said she grew up watching Cartoon Network, and, and she's the same age as me, and yeah. her English is, you know, totally, totally fluent. So that... Yeah, the early access to, I guess, consuming media in English. Mm-hmm. Also, another thing, and this is just a funny anecdote I've noticed, that well, I taught native Spanish speakers a lot and at the second language department in the University of Houston. About half of those students were from China. There's a kind of an accent that you can, that you can kind of expect mm-hmm. in English. But Lithuanian speaking English, there's no, like obvious mm-hmm. accent they're like there are different ones like some people there's like a pretty like heavy lithuanian accent some people have like a more of an american mm-hmm. 
influence going on like like yourself and then some people it seems like you pluck them right off the streets of london you know all of a sudden like <laughs> I, I call them the londowanians there's i have one in my uh in my english club akvile she's I'm like did you watch like did you watch harry potter instead of like <laughs> instead of spongebob growing up like what happened <laughs> yeah, to you yeah yeah, so yeah, I find that interesting. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, my because I was living in the US, I just I had a, I had an English accent when I was little because I lived in London for three years. Um, that's where I learned English, and I had that. And when I watch like home videos, you know, oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's so cute, you know, like, London accent, and it's so nice. And then like I went to the US and just like <laughs> English accent got. I can still do it, but I don't know. Now I'm I'm super aware of how I sound, and I can sound more british or it depends on who i'm talking to as well wow it's uh, it's it's a bit weird that's super interesting to be able to watch yourself when you were younger sound completely different than you do now yeah yeah exactly so it's uh it's it's what happens i think when you're exposed to a lot of languages and a lot of different then you can like a lot of people say that it's not even speaking about being able to speak it's about being able to hear and pick up the subtle like differences and I think because I'm also into music and I've been singing all my life and and then also this experience with I, I can I can do that when people um, tell me something in a different language. I can quite re- like repeat it quite well, I think. And uh, I've noticed that not a lot of people can actually do that. And I think that helps like the music and the being exposed to it at an early age. And then you're more aware of how things sound and how to recreate the sound yourself. Oh yeah, you've developed an ear for it. Mm-hmm. I, I, my one of my focuses in uh, in my linguistics studies was phonetics. That was really something that was fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times I can hear the sound, I, I and I can tell when I'm not hitting it, mm-hmm. and that yeah. it irritates me. Um, so it's like I'm. It's almost like a bit of an obsession trying to get it right sometimes mm-hmm. because I, I know what it's supposed to sound like, but it's. You know, yeah. I'm not doing it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you could relate to that. Yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> again and again. And I'm, I'm like training mouth to, <laughs> yeah. to get the sound out. Um, yeah. I don't know if you tried learning any Lithuanian while, while you're here. So uh, when I first got here, I, you know, I went in pretty, pretty blind. So I, I have... I have a friend who's Lithuanian, so she was basically netting in Lithuania were the same thing to me. Like I learned about like everything I knew by the time I got here from her. Mm-hmm. And I, when I got here, I I asked like you know I always get the first the first three words I was yes no and thank you. I think mm-hmm. those are the way you start with those. I I started there, and then over time I've gotten like little words and phrases here and there. Uh, a lot of Russian swear words came oh. <laughs> in from the the guys in the Tota Gay. I also learned some interesting little cultural things, like like the notion of uh, moroze, mm-hmm. which uh, for people in the U.S. I think uh, it's like I know the term gopnik is some people are familiar with. It's like these Adidas tracksuit like buzz cut Euro boys that kind of remind. It, I, it's it's an interesting thing because being in Texas, like the typical redneck culture is like a you know. Boots, camouflage pants, and pickup trucks. Here it's Adidas pants, you know, buzz cuts, and you know, an Audi that they work on. So it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Also, um, uh, there are just like certain little things. Like I remember one time we were talking to this uh, Ben, another one of the Fulbrighters, and the one in Squadas. 
we were talking to this this guy, and we're, we had been going on this road trip. We're like, it's interesting. We go through these tiny little towns, these villages, really, but they're these huge, imposing churches. Like, oh yeah, we call those church villages. Mm-hmm. And I and I I told my girlfriend about this. Like, oh yeah, Bajnika, miss. Yeah. yeah, I was like, <laughs> it's like there's actually a word for that. It's hilarious. Yeah. So, so I, and also again, I studied studying linguistics. I can pick up on patterns a lot. Mm-hmm. So like autobusus totus. I'm like station of buses. Like I can mm-hmm. tell it's like the that the case inflections or whatever uh-huh. I could tell or like get a minnow got I know that like the O is like the genitive singular. Like I could, mm-hmm. you know, in my head, I know what's going on. So now I actually need to put forth more effort to, to really learning it. It took me about this long to really feel like I am settled enough to be able to do mm-hmm. that. Okay. So yeah, as I'm really just now starting, there's a, um, there's actually a book that I'm going to pick up today about it. So oh, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, wonderful! So you're you're planning to learn uh, more? Definitely, yeah, here. for sure. And yeah, I guess I feel more of an obligation too with you know now that I'm dating a Lithuanian, mm. oh, feel okay. sort of an obligation. <laughs> yeah, that, so there, there's that a little bit of pressure because uh-huh. I feel a little bit of guilt, you know, where I have to like communicate entirely, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. They have to. She has to conform to me because of my linguistic ineptitude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But do you already have plans? What you want to do after the the program? Yeah. Well, the plan was to continue teaching English in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, the next time, because I was going to do that anyway. Okay. But now I I I like. I like the feeling of being a foreigner. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's it's like there's a lot of novel experiences you can get out of that and also really expands your mind and, and awareness and intercultural competence. Mm-hmm. That being said, I, I being in this position, the state department scholarship, it's really interesting to like, see what, like, like the different things you can do within like, you know, government jobs. And I'm, mm-hmm. I've, really starting to learn about that here and I think it's really interesting so I spoke with Ben Rader the one who um, was my advisor for Mm -hmm. the scholarship and his assistant and I asked them well you know if I tell you what I'm interested in language learning you know Mm -hmm. state department work would you be able to recommend some scholarships I could apply to Mm -hmm. and they did and there are a lot so in the meantime while I'm doing you know working uh, teaching ESL, I'd like to apply to some of those and see if, if I can't. Yeah, you know, of course. Why not? Yeah, if I can't do something like that. There's some really, really interesting ones, too. Okay. Oh, that's great. I feel like this, this program really opened up a lot of opportunities and just knowing about the different opportunities that are out there. Oh, yeah. And, and also it improved my ability to network. I mean, this is a really, really an amazing program that I uh, really would recommend to... Uh, yeah, but to anyone back in the U.S. to to apply to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So now you're an ambassador of the program. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I became. I become an ambassador of the program since <laughs> since being here. Definitely. I guess it's the Fulbright program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great program <laughs> to be a part of. Yeah. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to talk about? Um. Okay. Yeah, I, I do like to talk about. The magnets. I'm obsessed with these, and I, I tell everybody about them. I have one with me. I just got it. 
those who can't see it, it's uh, they're they're called Sorengle Tuva. Are you familiar with these? No, I don't know what this is. So they're these magnetic puzzle pieces, uh-huh. and they form the shape of Lithuania once you collect them all. And oh. there's uh, so Lithuania is divided into ten counties and further subdivided into sixty regions. Mm-hmm. So. And these magnets are color-coded by county, and there's 60 of them. And I got my first one in Cholet on that trip I told you about uh-huh. with the American Corner in the library. And I, I got one. I didn't think much of it. But then I had a conversation with Ambassador Gilchrist, and he was—he, on, on his Instagram, he has these—I call them his magnet selfies. He goes <laughs> and he collects these magnets, and then he takes a selfie with the person who sold the magnet to him. Oh. And— they're just so awkward and so funny. I, <laughs> I love them. So I decided that I wanted to do that, too. So, okay. And then one of the other guys, Ben, he's interested in them. Mm-hmm. And then um, Agne, my girlfriend, she, we converted her into a magnet girl. We call ourselves magnet boys. So, <laughs> so we've been taking these road trips and, and going to these different places. This is Chirintos, which I mm-hmm. think is interesting. I mean, someone who's from outside of Lithuania, they're not going to know about Shirventos or what's yeah. there. But the cool thing about these magnets is they're sold in these tourism information centers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you go there, and they have tourism information, so you, you get to learn about the region and the town, and, mm-hmm. you know, it gives you an, and it gives you an excuse to go there to, you know, it kind of appeals to the collector yeah, spirit. Or the, of course, and it makes you discover places that you normally wouldn't uh, probably... Yeah, it's one of the most creative tourism initiatives I've ever seen. And so I, I always like talking about that. Also, a kind of just cute story. I just got this wallet today mm-hmm. because I needed one that had a coin purse in it. Okay. Because the euro coins are actually valuable. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I, I was – he engraves it for free, so I, I was thinking about what I wanted to have on it. And my students, they call me Olstenas. So I had that engraved on there, and uh, yeah, which made me think of the uh, Lithuanian Google Maps is really fun to go on because um, the capital of Texas, Austin, is Austinas, Texasas. I love the ones that already have Austin, and then and there's another one, Las Vegasas. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, we got it. We got that. Yeah, so that's 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 a thing. But yeah, so I'm. I'm sure you've answered this question before, but can I ask you a question yeah, about sure. you, like, you uh, you started this podcast how long ago? Uh, about one year ago. Well, a bit more. Actually, the, the birthday of releasing the podcast was just a few days ago. Oh, happy birthday. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, of course, the planning for it and, like, doing all the work before I started in like, the autumn before, so, like, a few months uh, extra on top of that. Oh, sure. And how have you noticed it? Like, has your mission for the podcast changed at all since you started it? Um, a little bit. Well, I think it just adds on to the mission. Like, because, I mean, the, when I started the podcast, I wrote out a page of all the things that um, I wanted to kind of get from it, both personally and, and uh, like, giving back and community building and everything. And since then, I've... Um, I've added some elements on. So, for example, um, all, all of my guests are kind of in a group, so you'll be added to the, <laughs> the group, and I organize, uh, like, meetups. Um, so it's kind of more of this community building 
and helping people get to know each other because I love meeting people and I love connecting people and thought, okay, well, I, I can meet people through the podcast because I'm interviewing people, but then I would love for them to meet each other and uh, have that experience. So that's a thing I've added on like after, you know, I started already in, in, in the process. So that's becoming a, a thing that I really enjoy doing as Definitely, well. Definitely, like an evolution. Because to me, that, that was something exciting to me about about coming here. It was, you know, possibly even being, being able to meet some of your former guests because, yeah, some of them are so interesting. And, yeah. and also, yeah, I mean, you meet so many interesting people through this. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that there's just that... I'm, you know, very curious about people and, and mm-hmm. their stories and everything. But yeah, I yeah, I was also curious. Are there other guests that you had who are in like the regions of Lithuania, or most of like I'm sure most of them obviously are in the mm-hmm. cities. But yeah, most are in the cities. I've had a guest um, in, in like near Anikshi. Uh-huh. He started a business there, um, like a guest house hotel, um, and and yeah, and then. Thinking if there was anyone else, well, Klaipeda, but still city, and Kolnas. Mm. But yeah, not so many. And I, I really want to interview more people from outside of the big cities. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's my plan for this year. I think in the summer I would love to do like a road trip as well and just uh, visit people and be able to to interview them because yeah, it's it's not so easy during the winter. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's, it's interesting seeing foreigners in the regions. At least for yeah. me, like when. Like there's a, a restaurant in Chile called Saigon Kava, which is really, really good. And it's owned by these two Vietnamese ladies. And kind of like how Chicago is the, like, you know, little Lithuania. You know, a lot yeah. of Lithuanians know about Chicago. Um, Houston is that for Vietnam. So but mm-hmm. I didn't even say anything. I said, yeah, I'm from Houston. They're like, oh, yeah, our families live there. <laughs> so that was cool. You know, just little little things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited, especially, you know, with these. I definitely intend to collect all 60 of these magnets oh, before nice. I leave in July. But I think it's going to be really interesting to meet Lithuanians outside of Lithuania and ask, you know, oh, where, which part of Lithuania you're from? They're like, oh, you're not going to know. And I'm like, try me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got a magnet from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can pull up the photo. <laughs> yeah, me taking. Uh, so I have a bunch of the magnets. I have the magnet selfies as well. So mm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's something I want to do really, and also visit because I've not been to every part of Lithuania myself. So I think sure. that would be. Uh, really cool. I've started a little like contribute page. It's kind of like Patreon, so people can like also support and maybe help with you know funding the travel. Sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's in the plans for for this year for sure. And I have people like sending me in, you know, like oh you should interview this person and they're somewhere in Utana, you know. I'm like oh yes, <laughs> need to go to Utana, need to need to interview them. And yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. that would be also a great experience. Also have this travel, and I would see Lithuania. Yeah, it's okay. And also, Utana, the magnet is this one is one of my favorite magnets ever. There's a re- we were planning our road trip, and there's a restaurant called Burgundia there mm-hmm. where you can get the magnet. And I talked to him, I'm like, maybe we should go there because it's about halfway, it's in the middle of our trip. We can get lunch there and get the magnet. Okay, so we go there. It's just like fancy French restaurant. So we had like foie gras and oh. escargot and nice. <laughs> French wine and the, and the magnets from one euro. Yeah. So it's just such a fun, like some of these quirky experiences. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've had so many funny, like, quirky experiences here. It's amazing. And also just 
And like, I, I love the cities, like the difference between Vilnius and Konas. I love the architecture mm-hmm. in Konas, for example, like the modernist architecture. And yeah, just, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. everything's new and exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love. I, I'm I'm so happy you told me about these magnets. I'm gonna have to make a post like about this. I think this is super cool, um, really, and that you find them in the random places like this restaurant. <laughs> it also helps you discover even within the, the the towns themselves the the places to go. With it. Yeah, exactly. And I meant, yeah, and just doing the magnet. We call them our magnet trips. We mm-hmm. find like really interesting. Ways also there are some limited edition ones like that you can only get like one is at the Mo Museum you mm. can get the, the limited edition ones oh, okay. I, I should work for this guy. I should go work for them yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I should the sponsor sponsor yeah. you <laughs> to, to fund your traveling as well yeah <laughs> oh, that's that's really cool okay yeah. um, I guess I'll ask my last question then um, so I ask everyone this question um, to describe living in Lithuania in three words. It's funny that you ask that because uh, I ask my students sometimes, like, do you have any questions for me? And one student, she asked me, describe Lithuania in three words. And that was hard to put on the spot. <laughs> the first thing, first word I would definitely say foresty. Foresty. Definitely foresty. <laughs> uh, another one I would say small. Mm. As in size, but also like small world. It seems like everybody knows everybody mm. here, which is really, really interesting. Like I, there's a, I think it's even an expression like one big village. Uh-huh, yeah. What, yeah, I, just, <laughs> I have so many stories like that. And then I would say also dark, mm-hmm. like right now with the sun setting at 4 PM, but also like dark sense of humor. Oh my God. Like <laughs> it's hilarious. I love it. But it's like, <laughs> just the, I would say those probably three. Oh yeah, those, well, if I had to say. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, in the summer it's light. Oh <laughs> yeah, longer. but the humor might still be dark. <laughs> yeah, still. Oh, so dark. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so funny. Oh, that's uh, that's great. Okay, well, thank you so much uh, for being on and um, for sharing all of your experiences and finding out that, about these magnets. Super cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening. For more conversations like this one, subscribe to the podcast or let's connect on the Living in Lithuania Facebook or Instagram pages. If you enjoyed listening, please consider supporting the podcast on Contribute. All supporters are added to a private community and invited to join meetups and events. If you or anyone you know would like to be on the podcast, feel free to get in touch. Until next time.